Welcome to episode 173 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me tweeting to a low engagement audience at SEATJK, and with me as always is Chris. Where can we find you baiting me with an absolute disaster of a Disney movie bracket, Chris? <laughs> you can find me at CDVillasenor on Twitter. I didn't come up with the bracket, but it's a, it's a large bracket, so I thought maybe we could use it. But yeah, the seedings are... Apparently, there's a lot going on there. I don't know. Maybe we could use this inspiration and come up with our own, as we've done in the past. <laughs> I don't know if I could get down with that one. Tarzan in the one seed. <laughs> Nightmare bracket. <laughs> All right, listeners. Well, you know what we do here. We've got pop culture in the form of a top 10 most watched Netflix original movies in segment number one. And in segment two, we're filling our life strategies quoted by reminding you that it's no longer possible to invent your own personal mythology. And finally, we're tapping into the well of existentialism as we review the Naomi Osaka uh, choice to uh, fuck off rather than deal with the drama, which reminds me of, of something that I, I sort of believe, which is that there were a, f- a few weeks back, um, somebody tweeted, uh, what's your best advice in two words? And of course, David Simon of The Wire fame quote tweeted it with fuck off. And my, <laughs> my thought on that was always the best option. Like, honestly, <laughs> if you run into a situation and you need advice, you know what, just why don't you just leave? Just, just fuck off. <laughs> it's the, it's the way out. Just call it good. Just call it good yeah. and, and turn the other way. Yeah, it's not. It's not a. It's not a bad. It's not a. It's not bad advice. <laughs> I, I didn't think so. <laughs> anyway, she obviously made that decision, and we'll talk a little bit about it. Uh, beyond the buzzer, it's back to the stupidest things ever said. Before we head to the OT for a reminder that customer service isn't a department. Interact the show on Twitter at two on three pod or hit us up via email at. Hello. Hello at twoon3pod.com you know how much we love to hear from you but before we get to that i hear you're ramping up your civic engagement chris here we go this is the big announcement this week is that i am beginning my run for city council of my wow wild of my small city in uh in washington um yeah you know i was uh i was just I did want to upgrade my my uh, my my involvement in the community. I've been enjoying the planning commission, which I've been doing for two and a half years now, and it just sort of turns out that we have this aging <laughs> city council, and a bunch of people aren't running again for their seats. So there are basically three seats, and none of the people who are in those seats are running again. Okay. And Do you so, expect to run opposed for this position? No. I'm in fact I am so so there's this whole process which I had to learn about. Uh, and then there's this you you register with this with the the county elections board or whatever, the county right. elections. Did you have to get and, signatures? No, no, you can just you can just you just pay like fifty bucks <laughs> and, <laughs> and and fill out the thing and you're yeah because you're a citizen right you can yeah, it's, yeah. it's government you can just jump in yeah maybe you know. there should be a test but you know I I don't know who to no write. there's no test you just jump I in. didn't not to vote but to run uh, I'm just saying no, maybe maybe, yeah, some, maybe some qualifications we'll, we'll learn on the job it's maybe <laughs> we'll run you through the CCAT and make sure you're not a lunatic I don't it's know. OJT anyway <laughs> the uh, so there are three positions that are open. Uh, there's a hilarious amount of gaming that goes on, mm. which is really which is the intrigue. So the, here's the intrigue. There are basically two factions of, of it's nonpartisan, but there are basically two city factions. I don't believe that that's possible, by the way. It's hilarious. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's in fact, it's like, it's border like, like a borderline joke when the, and in fact, it's, it's likely that the, the city, well, there's basically one group, and then there's just a bunch of people who are just trying to live their lives. Mm. But the one group is—they call themselves the Watchdogs. Oh, fantastic! And, and they're currently—they're currently probably going through all of our episodes, trying to find like dirt on me, <laughs> <laughs> which would be great because it's like I know how you feel about Spider-Man now. Uh, whatever. Big but fans the, of the Punisher logo. These people. <laughs> yeah. It's a strange thing, but they—they're—they're. They're, um, so here's the story. If there are if there are more than two people running for any given position, it has to go to primary, mm-hmm. and nobody wants to do, and nobody wants to go to primary. So essentially, if there are two people in the spot, they will like the third person who shows up, like will fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Always be the like, best option. I they'll they'll be like I don't want to go to the pri- I don't want a primary. This is stupid. I'll just wait. I just won't sign up. So what 
the watchdogs do is they load up all the positions with people who have no intention of running. They, it's like, it's like they have one person who wants to run and then they, they load up like two more people who have no intention of running. Mm. They just like spend the 50 bucks. I don't know. We'll buy you dinner later. I don't know what the, I don't know what's going on there. That sounds illegal. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, it is. It probably is. Anyway, so <laughs> so so what happens is you sign up on a Monday. Um, it applications close on the Friday, and then on the following Monday is you can drop. <laughs> it's like college, like like dropping classes. <laughs> you know, you sign up for classes, and then it's like, oh shoot, I'm gonna fail. I better drop. So on Monday, like there's just a load of drops. <laughs> People just uh-huh. sort of disappear, but. But the people who stick around have to run. So now there are two um, people running in each position, except for mine has three. Mm. So I have to primary, which is fine. I guess it's just a little mini election uh, at the end of August. Among the nonpartisans. Run the nonpartisans, like eighty-five people will probably vote. (laughs) (laughs) Are you gonna have to give like a like a like a? A student government speech the, at the Rotary fact, Club. Do. No, yeah, Chamber of Commerce and the <laughs> Library have a have a candidate forum that I will have to participate in. That I was invited to participate in. No one has to, but I was invited mm. to participate in it, so I'm going to. Um, you know, it's funny because like the Seattle Times reaches out to me and says, "Oh, we need like your information because we we pulled together a pamphlet." Basically, it you know at least I get my face in the paper. I don't know. In the in the, I'll have to save a copy of the Seattle Times to see my face in it. But it's all it's all it's slightly comical. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think it's a it, I, you know I'm interested in doing it, and um, I don't have any like designs on power or anything. I just think that sure you do, you liar. <laughs> I just don't think that That's how it that, starts that, that my I just don't feel like my my demographic is well represented. It's generally, the council's generally a bunch of older, nearly retired or retired people. Is this the it's platform like, you're going to run on? Yeah, I'm here to replace all the old fucks. Uh, yeah. If you don't have, like, I'm here to represent, like, working right. families with children. Right, right, right. And and someone who's not white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's my platform. Is, I think uh, that's fair. Yeah. Hey, so I looked around and I saw that none of you look like me or, you know, have a similar life to mine. Right. Therefore, I don't feel like perhaps my uh, point of view is properly represented here at the city council. And I'd like to rectify that. That's I mean, that's what representative government's all about. Right. That's the idea. So I'm uh, I'm representing. So that's it. That's the deal. So breaking if, news. I, if I get through the primary, I will show up on the ballot. Come November, come November time. Can I come to your speech? <laughs> you can attend it on Zoom. Uh, oh. You want me to send you the link? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> You're more than welcome. I'll send you the link. I don't know nice if I'll post it broadly, <laughs> but uh, but I will. Uh, I will definitely. Uh, I will definitely. Uh, it's it'll be public. I mean, you don't want to get heckled by the two on three audience <laughs> <in the> questions. <laughs> I don't know if they'll be. I think they're. I think they're moderated by the. Uh, hmm. I don't think. I don't know if there's. I can't imagine there's open questions. I don't even think it's going to be debate style. It's probably just like basic Q and A, um, like Miss America style, where you, you know, where you just. Sorry, stay could you hear question. that really quick? Did you hear that? No. What was that? Some ads started playing super loud in my headphones, oh. and I figured you could hear it on the mic. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, but I'm just right. saying that I don't know what it's going to I don't know the format. I don't know anything. I mean, you know, it's not, it's just hilarious local city government. It's not any, it's, you know, I'm not running for governor, so Yet. I can't imagine. <laughs> Yet. The, the road to the White House begins here. What are you going to do when Eastern Washington wants to become part of greater Idaho with, with Eastern Oregon? <laughs> oh, that, I don't know. That'd be interesting. You know, that's something <laughs> that Oregonians want, right? Oh, I know. Yeah. Okay. Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington, Idaho, right? They all want to get together and form like, like a large land. Map. Lesser Montana. <laughs> Lesser Montana. <laughs> lower, yeah. lower Idawadaho, Oregon. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have with some stuff. No, but uh, that's it. That's my uh, that's my big news. Fun. Well, I look look forward to learning the outcome, especially since you have to go through the extra hoop 
That's extra fun for us. I know. I you know I I thought about the extra hoop and I thought it's a nice forcing function because I got to get like signs and shit made mm. and you know and all kinds of stuff. So we'll see. Vote for V. Vote V. Remember, remember. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to slap my name on the sign is like it's gonna take up the whole damn thing. I, I wish I had a shorter name, but uh, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, just, just change it to V E E. <laughs> Chris V. Yeah, and then people will look at the, the ballot and go, I don't, there's no Chris VEE on this ballot. I won't vote for him. You should have thought ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do the show. All right, so in segment number one, Netflix um, released their numbers for their, like our actual streaming numbers for their top 10 originals. And it's it's so rare that we actually get a chance to like peek behind the curtain at this. Um, I, I thought the fact that we got to see it was quite interesting for First of all, for a number of reasons. One, I was kind of surprised that I've seen, well, nine out of ten. I was going to say all, but I guess not all. I have not watched Enola Holmes. I didn't watch Project Power. I fall asleep. I fell asleep. Fallen? I've fallen asleep. Done fell. Done (laughs) fell asleep trying to watch Project Power. Twice. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's that good. (laughs) That's a a really high, that's a really high, uh, um, you know, endorsement you've given project power well it, it wasn't like i didn't want to fall asleep i don't know if it's when i was starting it or what but i definitely have not seen the end of that movie although i watched most of it twice <laughs> <laughs> all right so number one in in first position here extraction with 99 million streams and that's that's the obviously the chris hemsworth movie from the late yeah. part of last year i can't remember yeah. the timeline of anything anymore this is this is the funny part about netflix movies is they all just sort of came out like, you don't know exactly when they came out. Right. I guess Extraction came out in the spring of 2020. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I believe that. And, and again, I think they I think they benefited, number one, from star power and from the fact that we were all sequestered. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that, the, um, the pandemic, being it awful, has, you know, been a boon to some other businesses, one of them being Netflix. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean... And we're like, oh, a new movie. A, yeah, a new, new movie, movie is... I've been at home for a month, and a yeah. new movie has come out. I'm yeah. watching it. It's got Chris Hemsworth. He's got a machine gun him in, right? Yeah. We're, 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 we're some signing up. I'm, I'm good to throw away 90 minutes on this, for sure. I want some more... I think Chris Hemsworth needs to pick up the action comedy baton. He's such a gifted comedic performer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watched MIB International... I thought he was very, he's very, I mean, he's funny. That movie's not good. He and Tessa Thompson are both good in it. Yes. Yes. But no, it's not a great movie, but he's, but yes, he's funny and he's actiony. Like he should, he should uh, take over the, uh, the Willis mantle. He should do stuff like that. Yeah. Like the latter day Arnold. Yeah. Give me, give me some sort of kindergarten cop with. Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> or just give me Kindergarten Cop with Chris uh, Hemsworth. Let's not and Tessa, and Tessa I, Thompson. I, <laughs> and Tessa Thompson. <laughs> All right, well that sounds pretty good. Um, I, I've thought that Chris Hemsworth was a, a gifted comedic performer ever since Cabin in the Woods, when he's like, "Oh, there's something in the water. It's a beautiful man or gorgeous man," and he dives in. Like that's great. That was it was yeah. really a nice moment. Anyway, uh, second place, Bird Box. This is actually a couple years old. Obviously, it's uh, uh, I think that came out like it late 2018. Yeah, Thanksgiving, about Thanksgiving of 2018. Yeah. And uh, it was new. And again, star power. Everybody watched it. I mean, remember, I remember it was a FOMO situation because it came out right around Thanksgiving. And I think we were, I was sitting around with my family, my extended family. And everyone's like, well, this, everyone's watching this bird box. Let's watch this bird box movie. Regrettably, we watched it. (laughs) I don't think it's good. But, um, but yeah, it did, it did monster business. It was extremely memeable. It was almost like it was written by AI. <laughs> like, who's popular, right? right. Okay, so everybody likes Sandra Bullock. She's got a high approval rating. Sure. Um, what, what hasn't been done before? Okay, people are, you know, I guess there's been movies about large groups of people being blind, but whatever. There's some mystery, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, let's make sure there's a few, enough absurd moments and crazy visuals that people will screen cap it upon the internet. Yeah. And yeah. it was one of the first Netflix original movies. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly the the as far as splashy ones go, yeah, definitely, definitely, sure. uh, maybe yeah. the maybe the first of the big splashy ones. That's what I guess for the first of that I can recall that had like a major current A list star in it. Yeah, 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 for sure. 
third makes me sad. It's Spencer Confidential. 85 million streams. Um, Spencer, have you watched Spencer Confidential? No. Oh, it's, Don't. it's Spencer for Hire. It's Spencer for Hire. It's... I'd rather see Robert Urich being Spencer Fryer. I agree. Than, than, uh, than this. No, I, you know, I did not see. I did not see Spencer Confidential. So interestingly, and I think the only reason you haven't seen it is because it came out the week before we had to lock down in 2020. Uh, I think if it comes out three weeks later, the numbers are probably the best on the list. I'm concerned that people are 85 million people are are, uh, are viewing the uh, Marky Mark. Uh, Spencer, Spencer, maybe they just sure. got around to it eventually, right? <laughs> People do love the Marky Mark. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not generally down for, down for a Mark Wahlberg special. It's not, yeah, I'm not like motivated to watch Mark Wahlberg movies. Yeah, I mean, especially, especially, I mean, unless there's like a big production around it, like a Transformers movie that happens to have Mark Wahlberg in it, I'll watch that. He has to be like incidental to the movie, <laughs> right? Or like if, part of a twosome. But if this is driven by, if right. it's like a dr- driven by, I think the last I liked Shooter. I thought Shooter was a good, it was a fun movie to watch. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> but that, I, but I can't recall really otherwise really being down for a just a Marky Mark solo solo deal. All right, so we got then we got Six Underground, the Michael Bay Ryan Reynolds extravaganza, which is uh, terrific. Eighty three million streams, tied with Murder Mystery, the Adam Sandler Jennifer Aniston movie with like the, I love the title, just Murder Mystery. We're not even trying. We're just gonna make right. this movie and put it out. We don't care. <laughs> uh, and that's another eighty three million streams. Wow! And wow yeah, is all I have to say about that. I, so I would not not recommend that movie. Like if you asked me, hey, should I watch that? I'm like, yes, it's funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's funny. All right. Uh, especially because it's basically, it's like he is him playing himself, and there's a movie around him, and he's sort of just bothered by it the whole time. <laughs> so if you like sort of curb your enthusiasm, I right. think you might enjoy it. I would just be bothered by having to hang out with Jennifer Aniston all the time. But. Oh right, I forget that you like dislike Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we've got the Old Guard at 78 million streams. That's the Charlize Theron. Uh, Immortal, immortal movies. Immortal soldier. Now here's the deal. So this this proves beyond the shadow of a doubt, and really, actually, the the Fast Nine trailer proves without the shadow of a doubt. You can put any hairdo on Charlize Theron, and she's she's terrific. She, she, you could even that stupid mushroom head thing she's in the Fast Nine. Like it's like, oh my god, what have they done to what have they done to Charlize's hair? And oh yeah, she looks really great. Yeah, it, it's like. Whatever. You could just cut all her hair off. You could shave her head bald. She could have long hair. Whatever hair you throw on Charlie Theron is great. True. Well, I mean, she has a face for it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Um, it's, a, it's, a rare, it's a rare thing, though. It's a rare yeah. thing that she has. I, you know, I'm not one, especially on the pod, to get horny on Maine. It's not really my style. <laughs> right. Um, but, but you brought that up. And I have to say, I forget what movie we were watching with Charlie Theron that was fairly recent. And then I came across The Italian Job which is from uh-huh. 2003. Right. And like intellectually, I understand how attractive Charlize Theron is, right? Like it's, sure. just, it's a fact, but like to see her now and be like, wow, she's, you know, still very good looking. But then to like, look at her from 18 years ago, it was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that, that seems impossible. But at the time we just took it for granted. Yeah. Uh, Enola Holmes, which I mentioned, which was, um, the girl from stranger things. I, the MBB movie. There you go. Thank you. Millie Bobby Brown. Um, there's other people in it, but, for some reason, there's something about, like, th- there's a big run on sort of Sherlock-adjacent and sure. Victorian-era, like, fantasy. And this is, yeah. and I'm just kind of out on all of it. <laughs> this one was, I, you know, I, I, my daughter was watching it, and I sat down and watched, like, maybe three-quarters of it. Like, wherever I jumped in all the way to the end. Uh-huh. I thought it was fine fair. I mean, again... I, it made me kept yelling at you know Cavill like, "Will you please put the goddamn Superman?" Sh- I haven't back seen. On? I haven't seen it. I have yeah. not. I'll eventually. I'll probably eventually watch this. Um, but like with the with the the, the fad, you know, my wife is watching the Nevers. Like, I, you know, dr- directed by created by Sex Pest, Sex Pest Joss Whedon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I kind of want to. I'm looking to binge that one here. It's soon. not. It's not. I didn't like it. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. 
like it's you're not it's it's well made it looks nice there's some interesting things i just i was bored yeah. um i like the i mean i guess the umbrella academy is sort of adjacent to the victorian thing but it's more of a time travel sci-fi kind of thing yeah it, i like that. it's more of an x-men thing really yeah. yeah yeah um but there's a lot of that right i remember i watched carnival row i didn't like that i just it's boring. I like yeah, you know, I, like, I, yeah. I don't watch those like Peaky Blinders and um, Penny Dreadful. Those kinds of things. I don't no. I generally don't chase those. No, that's no, not. I don't hate them or anything. It's just right. I have to like have a reason to watch, and I haven't right. gotten hooked. Usually, my reason to watch is Ava Green, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, she couldn't pull me into either of those. See, you're very comfortable on the podcast being horny on Maine. I appreciate right, that sure. about you. That's a <laughs> Uh, attractive, project <laughs> attractive 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 people working in film are you know are are my thing somebody referred i heard to uh going to the movies where we pay to watch pretty people kiss yeah and i just thought that was really funny <laughs> like, oh yeah all right it's the whole the industry right yeah all right project power 75 million streams uh midnight sky which i was like oh this is another one that i haven't seen and in fact i have seen it i just memory hold the whole thing it's the yeah. george clooney movie in the arctic yeah it's I I think I started it a bunch of times and just was like, what are we doing here? Why is it's, George just hanging out? Like, whatever. Yeah, it's post post apocalyptic and his daughter's in space. Felicity Jones. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it, the reason it, I got an army of the dead. Oh yes, army of the dead. That's actually the reason I originally came across this. I was looking for army of a day, army of the dead adjacent content. No, I was definitely not seeking additional army of the dead content. <laughs> um, I don't even want to get into that movie. Like it's, I have so many problems with it. I apparently you enjoyed it more than I did. Yeah, I enjoyed um, it. I enjoyed it for the for the sort of dumbness of it, but whatever. But what I wanted to look at quickly, since we never get these numbers, is what did that mean, right? So if you consider that the average movie ticket in the United States is nine dollars and sixteen cents, this is something I looked up, of course. Extraction. If every view of Extraction is one ticket, that's nine hundred and six million dollars in revenue that would have gone to a theater. If yeah. every viewing is four tickets so a family that's mm-hmm. 3.6 billion in revenue oh, yeah yeah which makes it like the highest grossing movie of all time of all time <laughs> <laughs> however however that being said um there is there is the fact that netflix has like low barriers of entry like you watch a bunch of terrible stuff you will start a bunch of terrible stuff sure on Netflix just because you've already paid the subscription and you're ready to sit down and watch whatever it serves up to you as opposed to having to haul the family out to the theater for tickets, popcorn, some soda, some candy. Like that's like a hundred and ten dollars out of your pocket for an evening for four people to go to a, I mean, even, even, you know, even prior to the pandemic, like, going to the movies was like a serious like like a serious event around here i was like it, it better be movie worthy and for the most part i wouldn't take anybody with me <laughs> like yeah. i'm sorry you can't go to this movie you'll have to watch it later on because i don't trust you'll appreciate it for the 20 dollars i have to pay for you to sit in there we've escalated to that for like renting movies now because now you gotta like rent new during the pandemic right i was like rent this new release movie for 20 bucks today uh-huh and you know, obviously we're starving for new content. It was, you know, you guys are going to want to rent this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, are you going to watch this? <laughs> I am not going to pay. Because with the rentals, it was like you get the 48 hours, right? Unlimited uh-huh. access. So, yeah, yeah. but then it goes away. Right. And, and, and then, you know, if it's a Disney Plus movie, it will come back at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you only have a limited time. You didn't like buy it outright, like, you know, with everything else. Anyway, it was it was very much the negotiation of I'm only spending this money if you're going to sit here and watch this. And that's why I'm paying like five bucks a ticket. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I can't imagine what it's going to be like when they want to go to the actual movies. Although maybe yeah, just... it's going to have there's going to have to be it's going to have to be serious tentpole material because you don't want to just, you, you know, I don't want to go watch people talk in the movie theater. Like if it's a talky movie, like, forget it. I'm out. It you don't want to, to watch have... Mayor of Easttown, the movie in the theater. <laughs> I don't want to, I need something to explode or something to happen in space or some such nonsense. I mean, for big theater, every, you could watch, yeah, you should watch Mayor of Easttown, the movie in your home, (laughs) right? You don't need to, you don't need to go to the movie theater for that. The last point I want to make is just the reversal of that, which is the idea that if you only watched Extraction, like if Extraction was the only movie Mm -hmm. that anyone ever watched on Netflix, 
it still would have saved versus the same number of people who would have paid to go in the theater. It still would yeah. have saved us all collectively two hundred one million dollars to not go to the theater. <laughs> so your net, so your Netflix subscription is paying for itself. For sure, mine mine definitely does, and uh, my kids tend to mine it for older content too. So yeah. uh, they they use it much more than I do. So uh, they're, they they make it worth it. I, I was going to save this for a time where we're going to do maybe a different segment, but since we're talking about it. Uh, I do like when you like run out of stuff and like I'm just gonna try this, right? Like I watched a couple of episodes of Woo Assassins, it didn't really stick. Yeah. Um, but then you know I watched a couple of this, watched a couple of that. We started watching that Ragnarok. Have you seen that show pop up on your feed on huh. Netflix? So it is about you know Thor, but not really like yet. <laughs> and it's not really even about like Thor. Thor. It's like the idea that there is this. It's anyway. It's it's actually Norwegian. Norse, uh-huh. I guess it's, a, it's like a so it's like a North mi- Norse myth. Yeah, but thing. it's like high schoolers set in modern times. But then there's uh-huh. a lot of adults and the giant, the frost giants are there, and it was really good. Like I really liked it, and it's subtitled. And I, I usually I'm like I don't want to have to read this. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But no, sorry, partially subtitled and partly dubbed, which okay. usually I just can't hang with. It just bothers me too much. But yeah, I, I liked it. It was one of those things where my wife and I kept watching it. Like, you want to watch another one? Yeah. And then the second season just came out like last weekend and we watched the whole thing in one day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a, that, that's a strong recommendation. I, I can't like, believe I, it was amazing. Cause I said to her multiple times, like, if you asked me, why do you like this? I can't explain it. I can't possibly explain to you why it's appealing, but it's just riveting. <laughs> Ragnarok. You, you connected with it. That's great. I guess so. Yeah. Check it out. Let's go to segment two. When she stepped in looking like a snack My damn ready to attack You know what I want so give me that Alright, we're back on the snack beat And uh, in the snack beat this week There was a controversy over A gentleman who claimed to have invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos And I guess let me bring the, 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 the Listeners up to speed So we can talk about this a little bit so earlier this month, uh, Eva Longoria announced that she was going to make a documentary or, or a, a dramatization, rather, of a, a movie called Flamin' Hot, playing this, um, this man, uh, Richard Montañez. And he is a, like, sort of a rags-to-riches story at Frito-Lay. He was a janitor, and then he became an executive, and he says he invented Flamin' Hot Cheetos. And as his story has gained traction in the media, this idea that's going to be publicized, there's been a little pushback on old Richard's version of events. Which he says, you know, he, you know, to make long story short, he, the, the, the company, uh, the executive said, think like an owner, come up with ideas, you know, like, you know, get involved, basically. He was inspired by this. He went to a, a, a food cart, saw some chili covered corn. It was like, that looks like a Cheeto. And then he and his wife set out to like invent the right spice mix for a spicy snack because he wanted the company to make more spicy snacks. Uh, anyway, th- so he says that version of it. And over the time, he gets promoted. He becomes a vice president. He spends, you know, 40 years at the company. Um, and eventually, obviously, they're going to make this movie. And then there was an interview with uh, with people who were trying to... The Los Angeles Times essentially trying to fact-check the story, right? And former Frito, more than a dozen former Frito-Lay employees... Um, and then he, he inclu- they, looking over newspaper and press clippings. So, or sorry, he interviewed people. He looked over a bunch of press clippings, trying to find evidence that this actually happened. That this is how this was introduced. And Frito Lay's official original comment was to say that none of our records show that Richard was involved in any capacity in the Flame and Hot test market. That it had been, and that his story of being inspired by this particular executive couldn't possibly have been true because the uh, the, the Flame and Hot Cheetos had been de- deployed in four cities before, like two years before that guy started the company. And so there's a lot of like, well, is this guy full of shit, right? And, and the whole story of, of, of growing up through the company and is it all just, you know, based on this lie, which really happened, right? He really did ascend through the company. Yeah, you really, I mean, that's the, as, as you're reading it, or, you know, and I've read another, like, a, a serious long form article on this, this oh, exact have? thing. Yeah. Okay. Like years ago. Okay. Because again, it's a story that gets told about, you know, on, you know how about how companies if they can tap into a certain market like this this gentleman the the story is told that he wanted something that appealed to the palate of you know 
you know, Hispanics or Mexicans living right. in, you know, and, and so, and so they wanted to, they, if you want to appeal to their palate, this is how it would work. And I, you know, and like, like a Forbes article or, you know, something like highfalutin business insider or whatever about mm-hmm. this exact thing, this, this tale has been told many, many times and is taken as taken as truth. Well, it's sort of the, the explanation that everyone kind of lands on is that, um, you know, like there's this other woman who says, well, I was put in charge of developing spicy snacks in this division. And then I know that we made this and that she came in up and that she came up with flame and hot as well. And it's so a term. It, yes. And so there's, you know, there's, cause there's not just, uh, Cheetos, there's Fritos. There were, there were flame and hot lays for a little while. I don't think they still exist. Um, and basically say that there was like five different divisions in the organization. And if other parts of the country were possibly coming up with the ideas at the same time. And so, you know, it was interesting to me mostly because the reporter got that comment from Frito-Lay, but then PepsiCo, which owns Frito-Lay released a statement like the following week after this got back into the news that basically said, uh, you know, there's confusion. The, the information that we shared with the media has been misconstrued, misconstrued by some resulting in confusion around the position of the company um, and has caused a range of emotions between employees and consumers and strain on our valued friendship with Richard Montañez and the Latino community, which I'm like, okay, so you're PRing the shit out of this because you think like, Hey, you know, the, the, the Hispanic people that like our products identified with this guy and like the product and they like the story. And you guys, oh, yes, whoever said that he wasn't the guy, you need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with the legend behind this, this story, but you know, behind this product. Well, you got to wonder, though, if this Lynn Greenwood woman is seeing all this promo for this movie and be like, what do you I invented the Flaming Hot Cheetos. <laughs> I, I suspect I suspect once this thing hits, like there's going to be a big round of of juicy press around like taking this part. It's just too it's just too juicy, right? It's too mm-hmm. you can't there's no possible way an, a, a an internet driven press can lay off this story. It's impossible. <laughs> they, it, this is, this is moths to flames. It's f- moths to flaming hot Cheetos is what this is. Um, but I do, I get it. I get, I get that, that, that PepsiCo be like, the legend is very strong and it's, and it's, and it's almost equally important as the product itself. Right. Well, the origin. Obviously I had yes. no idea, but clearly yes, to a certain segment of folks, it is very important that this yeah. le- this this version of events be the the official version of events. Right. I've chosen this product because of the story behind it. I'm very invested in it. I like and people don't want to be duped or people don't want to feel like they they've been screwed over so that they're they're happy to maybe turn half a blind eye toward okay, maybe it's that uh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's funny for Pepsi to come out and say, to be clear, we have no reason to doubt the stories he shares about taking the initiative to create new product ideas for the Cheetos brand. And then it's like different work streams attack the same or tackling the same product without interaction, without interacting occasionally occurred in the past when divisions operated independently. We're not the best at communicating. However, just because we can't draw a clear link between them doesn't mean we don't embrace all of their contributions and ingenuity, including <laughs> Richard's. <laughs> the- he must have done something because he climbed the ranks. Did he? Did he right. really start out as a janitor? Like, like, isn't it funny because there's so many like CEOs and like executives throughout time who've faked there. Said, mm. "I got a degree from this. I got a. I got a. You know, I have a master's degree. I have a PhD. You got none of it. <laughs> you didn't even graduate from college, right? People have been falsifying their their resumes." up for a long time has anyone ever falsified their 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 resume down maybe you know to say that maybe he came in as a middle management employee and then started telling a story about how he started as a janitor like isn't that a funny thought it's like oh no no when i started here i was the janitor and now look at you know you, you start well, telling, i do wonder you start telling tales about how you work your way up like i used to be the janitor here and now look at me i'm the i'm i'm a senior manager it's like yeah. Okay, like, all right, I have no, I have no reason to believe you weren't the janitor, right. but maybe he was never the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what I think is interesting about this is that people, yes, have done this as long as, I mean, right up until about 1998, right? Because that's basically when it becomes impossible to do this anymore. Yes. But this gentleman started working at Frito-Lay in 1976. So yeah. 
he was steeped in the culture of being full of shit, like well <laughs> into his adulthood. And and who can and who can who can challenge somebody who's been like if your career started in 1976, like there are no records of no, your, there's no employee records. There's no you could say you could tell any kind of you could spin any kind of yarn you want to downward, right? Because you don't have to prove that you were the the janitor, right? You know, no one's gonna. You know, are people really going to go into your, your into your into your records and say well, you were it never. makes it makes me wonder if like at some point Flaming Hot Cheetos' debut was far enough in the past that old Richard here was just like, remember when I invented Flaming Hot Cheetos? <laughs> <laughs> like a total cliff. Nobody's moment. left, right? Like everyone's turned over. He's twenty years down the road. It's right, all new faces and like, oh yeah, I invented Flaming Hot Cheetos. Just told everyone in his division uh-huh. that he was the inventor of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Right. That seems but, entirely plausible to me that at some point there were just not enough old faces to challenge the the story. But the but the but to get the corroboration of like the CEO at the time, like you can't tell a story like this and and loop in the CEO and not have Well, he tells him he was inspired by that guy. There's no No, in the in the long form okay. of this, in the long form of this, he actually flies out Meets with the CEO and gives him the flaming hot Cheetos. What does that and people, guy have to say and about people, it? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. This is the this is the beauty of this obscure legend, like legend building, right? This yeah. is I've I've I'm the hero of my own story. I've told it so many times that per, I perhaps I believe it very deeply. Yes, but I maybe I've maybe some of it's borrowed. Maybe some of it's you know maybe some of it's true. Like right. all all good stories have like that thread of truth in it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe he did a spicy snacks pitch. Maybe he did. But did it turn into spice? Did it turn into flaming hot Cheetos? Who knows? Not according to Lynn Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see but, Lynn Greenwood. But, but Pepsi. Sorry, Co's Lynn like, Greenfield. Let me get it right. Let so, me clean that up. So so here's here's PepsiCo's thing. It's like we have this product that's steeped in Mexican American Latino community legend. And Ellen Greenwood, <laughs> Lynn Greenfield, <laughs> Lynn, Greenfeld. Lynn, Green, Lynn Greenfeld. I'm sorry, Lynn Greenfeld. Greenfeld, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lynn Greenfeld invented it. Hmm, that doesn't really help us very much. You know, that's, I mean, because the story, like, you know, sometimes that's how, you know, the story of Doritos, right? It's a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they were throwing, like, Disneyland was throwing all these day-old tortillas in the garbage, and they decided to cut them up and fry them lightly and make them, you know, spice them up like chilaquiles, right? Uh-huh. And started selling them and that was the big hit. So it's a, again, it's a great it's a great story. It's a legend behind the product, but it inspires like a cultural attachment and and also a Frito-Lay product. <laughs> Maybe they're lying about that too. Oh my god. So I wanted to close this up with the reason that I thought that maybe he just latched onto it and made it his own after we're just enough new faces that he could, felt like he could get away with it. <laughs> because later in the article, Greenfeld again quoted here saying, it is deport- it's disappointing that 20 years later, someone who played no role in this project would begin to claim our experience as his own and then personally profit from it. And then it says that he really did climb several rungs on the corporate ladder and really did submit dozens of his ideas to Frito-Lay. And here is an article from the 1993 uh, U.S. News and World Report says, veteran machine operator Richard Montañez became so energized by... Uh, manager Steve Smith's new operating style that after listening to salesmen, he developed a new ethnic food concept aimed at the Hispanic market. After testing recipes and outlining a marketing strategy, Montañez burst forth with a kernel of an idea, Flamin' Hot Popcorn, which will soon make its debut. So roughly the same period of time, roughly the same story, but was he just full of shit with regard to the Cheetos <laughs> part? <laughs> the Flamin' Hot. Yes. Who knows? Like I said, this... The afterlife database will clear all this up. <laughs> well, we will we will learn we will learn we will learn the truth of who who uh, how how full of crap Mr. Montañez may or may not be. Well, you know he signed the contract, so as long as he keeps up with the lie, I'm sure it'll work out just fine. Uh, you know what? And he's published books apparently, and so he's and he gets paid for speaking engagements. So <laughs> um, he's he's very much invested in this in this in this uh, in this legend. So I really enjoy still running into this old sort of pre-internet type of apocryphal story. It's like, did you just make this up? 
Because <laughs> right. nobody, like, I think a lot about like what Elizabeth, how Elizabeth Warren got trapped being a Native American, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. we, we all had some grandmother just said whatever. Right. And everybody's like, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> nobody else had any information. So there wasn't any way to like really verify what you were told. Right. Until very recently. Yeah. In 1953, I didn't, we didn't have 23 and me or whatever. Right. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't know. She said we were part Native American. I don't know. I believed it. I don't know. I'm also endlessly fascinated by anyone that can keep up like a charade for any like extended period of time because I, I just find the entire concept of telling extended like lies that I have to maintain exhausting. Like, listen, I can't do it. Listen, if you were getting paid 50 grand a pop. <laughs> For speaking engagements, you'd you'd find the energy to keep up the lie. All right, fair enough. Let's go to segment three. All right, in segment three, you want to talk a little about the the drama surrounding Naomi Osaka. Um, I, I have my thoughts, but you put it in the rundown, so I wanted to hear what you had to say about it first. Sure. So, uh, for those of you who follow tennis four times a year, <laughs> like <laughs> like like we do, um, you know. This year's French Open has started off with a, quite a bang, right? So Naomi Osaka, who is the highest paid female athlete in the world at this point, she is the world's best tennis player, the female tennis player, you know, expected to win, you know, comes out and preemptively says to the, to the, to the French Open, say, you know what? It's been a long year for everybody. I have I have social anxiety. I don't want to I don't want to subject myself to a relentless press. So I am going to not do press conferences during the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I will just and feel free to levy the fine against me. This is the opposite of the of the of the of the uh, of the, the Marshawn Lynch. I'm here just so I won't get fined, which which she should have probably just embraced that. But the um, but she just she decided, hey, I don't want to deal. I just want to play tennis, and um, and off she goes. So she wins her first match handily, and she doesn't do the press conference. And then the French Open sort of instead of they don't do they don't they don't want to play along. Mm-hmm. They levy the fine and then add on we may just disqualify you from 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 this. I'm shaking my head in disgust. Yeah. So the uh, so what we get here now is the very next day she just says I can't play. I'm I'm withdrawing from the tournament. Uh, I've been trying to, um, you know, she doesn't want to trivialize her mental health. And she's, she totally set the table, said, hey, I didn't, I, I let them know beforehand. No one said it was going to be a problem. And then all of a sudden it's a problem and I'm not equipped to deal with it. And, and fuck off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, and... <clears throat> And that's and that's and that's the story and that's and that's where we leave it. That's where that's where the story ends for her. And, and again, a lot of support for her, a lot of a lot of just non-support for her. Vitriol, and, I would call it then, in some circles. And then, and then somewhere in the middle, and somewhere in the middle, I'm sort of kicking around this idea of of fame and fortune. What does it cost us? What does it cost an individual to be famous? Uh, to be the best in the world at something, to have to garner all this attention for your talents, and then, and then, have to pay off the marketplace in some way, shape, or form, right? It's, so yeah. So it's a, this is a, I think it's I think it's a stickier situation. I I feel for her as a person. I do. I, I really do. Yeah. But 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 there is a there is a large machine that 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 chugs along that that needs to be paid and that marketplace is the marketplace can be very unrelenting in that way it needs something from you if it's going to <clears throat> set up a tournament that is going to pay you 2 million dollars should you win it it asks things of you as as a star as someone who moves the machine forward mm-hmm. And what is fair and what is not fair 
what can you ask for? What can you not ask for? So if we, if we start there, I mean, and we're talking about tennis now, but you can very easily apply this to lots of, lots of different fame and fortune generating industries. Well, I mean, my first thought is that poor Ricky Williams trying to do press conferences in his helmet because he was terrified to look at anybody at the press conference to the point where right. it drove him crazy and out of the league. Yes. And I, the thing I find, you know, first of all, there's a, there's a whole thing where there's a, a very strange legacy machine you're talking about mm-hmm. that truthfully is disconnected from the primary like goal of an athlete, right? Is that I'm here to compete in athletics. I didn't sign up to like talk to reporters every day. And you would, there are a lot of people would argue, well, yes, you did. That's the structure that the, that it exists in. But you're like, mm-hmm. well, yes, but it's not like a consenting structure. I don't get an opportunity to say no, right? This is not allowed. And, and you know what? If they're going to finer and put rules in place and there's bylaws, but the threat of expulsion from the tournament was extremely distasteful, um, mostly because that's where we get to the point where it's like, look, if you want to fine her, because your rules say if you don't meet with the press after your matches, we're going to fine you fifteen grand every time. That's her choice to make. That's right. if that's in writing, that's whatever. I don't know what your you know tournament agreement is, but fine, yeah. enforce your contract. Take but, it, take it out of my two million dollar check after I win this thing. Right, fine. but to petulantly threaten to kick out like the one of the top three women's tennis players in the world of your tournament because she won't talk to the press really makes your whole tournament a farce, doesn't it? Because if you're kicking out talented players simply because they don't want to talk to the media, well, then you don't have the best players competing in your tournament anymore, do you? Now we're talking about a structure that is more important than the actual athletics and really calls into question the validity of the entire enterprise. Well, this is the, so this is the, this is the, this is where you have to balance the person, which is very important, but the marketplace, which supports again, not just her and her prize money, but <clears throat> the inclusion of a lot of other people who may or may not get a chance to showcase their talents otherwise as well. Right. It, <clears throat> it puts a lot of, it puts a lot of food on a lot of tables. Sure. And what does it, and what does it expect from you? So, so with, with her, I mean, and it happens a lot. I mean, Bjorn Borg retired at like 27 years old, 26 years old. Cause he, again, he just couldn't take the, he tired of the, bullshit. The, the weight of the fame and fortune was 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 too demanding on him as and his personality just could all the talent but but not but not but not the will to 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 do all the fame aspects of it which yeah, is I, which is a, which is a hard place to find yourself in i think as an athlete as someone who can't manage the fame aspect of it because because again unless you're supporting the enterprise like how do you how do you get paid otherwise i mean how do, I mean, if you can't, I mean, if you want to be, let's say, let's say you're Usain Bolt and I'm the fastest man in all of Jamaica in mm-hmm. low of the world. And maybe I'm just running in the streets against people. Hey, I bet you 20 bucks. You can't beat me in a foot race. Yeah. Yeah. Come see the golf ball whacker guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And just, and, and, and so he's, you know, but the marketplace for his talent is the Olympics and international track and field. And international, and in order to, in order to showcase your talent and make the kind of money that the most talented, per, the fastest runner in the world can make, you have to. Well, fortunately for Usain Bolt, he's very well equipped to deal with the public. He's, yes, yeah, he's he's. But but it's it's also it's also how he how you get paid. Well, I mean, to, yes and no. Be, Talking to the media does not define like the entire ecosystem of the athletic competition. But it's part of it. I mean, especially with a, a sport like tennis, because tennis only gets so many eyeballs a year, and mostly the time four eyeball, four times a year for casual fans. So you have to, as a top player in that sport, promote the sport so that it can have life throughout the year. But are you under the impression that a person who like you as a person who follows tennis? you know, mm-hmm. fairly casually, but maybe more seriously than most mm-hmm. needs the media. Like you need stories written about her mindset in a match to enjoy it. Is that, do you yeah. feel like that's like, I mean, I don't think that that part matters. I think it's the, no. it's the, it's the sport that matters. It's the execution. Sure. It's that, yeah. If you can be winning and going TV and, 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 you know, and, and inspire people because you're also that kind of person. Fantastic. But I just, I disagree with the fundamental notion that if you don't talk to reporters, you're somehow not putting the, 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 the sport forward in a way that's helpful to others. I just don't think that that's necessarily true. Um, I think and if you're going to really unpack Naomi Osaka specifically, she got the, the rawest deal of all 
like oh, yeah. three years ago. Oh, when, when she won the U.S. Open, when and everyone, everyone wanted Serena to win, and then <laughs> Ser- yeah, and so she's been like probably been, she was like what nineteen at the time? Yeah, twenty. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, blame like that. that. Blame that on. Blame that on. But then, who who do you blame that on? Well, like, Serena shitty, bears some but, some issues there too. But then the way the media handled it wasn't good either. Like, how do you no. feel about denying this legend her record-setting victory? Like, yeah, kind of, like yeah. What kind of what kind of shit is that to say? Well, and again, and so the, the media hasn't been fair to her, and I get it. She has a, she has a she has a very sordid past with the media. And it's not just that; it's it's the it's the sports media specifically. And I don't mean to paint all sports media people with a with a broad brush, because certainly the statement I'm about to make is probably not true for everyone. But by and large, especially in the more traditional entry points for sports media, you're dealing with people who do want to be famous and would rather be in your place than in the place that they're in, and they ask the worst, most oh. heinous, kind of rude questions. You ever seen that clip of when? Uh, that guy's interviewing Venus Williams, and he's asking her, like, why are you so confident? And he's like, you say it so easily. Why? Like, he's she's 14, and Richard comes in, he's like, the fuck you think you're doing? Have <laughs> <laughs> you seen this clip? I don't, no. Okay, I, don't I will take I... it up and share it with everybody, but there's a, he basically comes in, he's like, she answered your question, and he won't let it go. He's like, you're just going to sit here and be like, because, you know, she told you, she said, she done told you what's happening, now leave it alone. That's exactly right. what he says. Yeah. But it's this well, thing where, you know, it's like you... You are trying to make yourself the star by like sort of like, I don't believe you 14 year old girl or 23 year old prodigy that Mm. you should be so confident and that you should feel so good about yourself. So tell me exactly why you feel that way, which is honestly just a disgusting thing to ask a teenager. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that hasn't that that aspect of sports media has not gone away because these are people that largely either wanted to compete in that sport or have, have, have been obsessing about it for for years or they're and, just and trying to, or they're trying to make a name for themselves by embarrassing somebody much more famous. Because that's, notoriety in, in media is just as valuable as actual talent, right? And that's, and so, again, the, I think that the French Open should have, have, had made some accommodations for for Naomi Osaka. I think I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think it's difficult to work with somebody in this in that capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Just to say, hey, we get it. You know what? Can we can we set up a a safer place? Can you do you want to say? Do you want to have you know? Can you give us a, a list of ten journalists that you would do press conf that you do would do press with, and we can limit we can limit it. Right. I mean, there's there's things they could have done. But they 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 played hardball and and they chased her off and and you know if she if she doesn't come back <laughs> to to play at your tournament ever again i mean who does that hurt i mean it, it just it hurts everybody right it hurts her it hurts the sport it hurts their event i mean they should have they should have worked harder to to find some accommodation for her um well and then for them after the fact to say oh hey we're gonna now we're gonna do better <laughs> well, because we realized that hey this is this is not the time to be doing this kind of thing yeah well i mean again i just don't think anybody has any patience for it anymore it's just like you know what there's no single my point is i, I think that other than people who have either a religious affiliation to the to the existing power structure or a vested financial interest in the existing power structure i think the the common fan like myself couldn't give a flying fuck about whether naomi osaka speaks to reporters after her match and i don't think it matters to the game at all and i don't think that that you know that you're gonna have broad public support for Threatening to eject. Now, I don't think that a lot of people are saying breach of contract. Like I said before, look, if there's rules and it says, hey, engage with the media, or it's this fine. Pay the fine. Pay yeah. the fine. She, and then she, she was, could she say said, something. Right. But it was this gross threatening to, hey, we're not going to let you play, and we might not let you play in the future. Right. Like, now yeah, you're just, just, it's just nasty. Right. Yeah. 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 Well. Well, I wish her the best, and I hope, she, you know, I you know, I hope she makes it back to the, I mean, I do enjoy, I, I give her a hard time, like, around the, <laughs> around the house. Uh, but the uh, but she is you know she is she's she's one of the best to do it right now. So you know it's it's you you miss that part if you enjoy the sport at all. Yeah, I mean we didn't even get to unpacking the fact that she's biracial, and you know again we just started to scratch the media's you know relationship with her based on what happened three years ago with Serena. Yeah, and, and, well, and just the fact that she's just shy. Yeah, I mean that's this and she's and she she doesn't do. I mean everybody knows that that people's number one fear in the whole world aside from dying is public speaking 
<laughs> this is a this is a commonly known thing. Yeah. And and for someone who's who's afraid of public speaking and not particularly good at it and and can't find a way to get comfortable with it, um, you know, again, does the does the does the marketplace shoot itself in the foot by chasing away its its biggest talent just because they refuse based on I don't know what criteria to give her some accommodation. Yeah, and I think at the macro level we're in this sort of tectonic societal shift of bucking old trends this idea that i ate shit you should too is the kind of thing that there's a there's a whole group of people that are throwing that sort of adage off and saying you know what i'm not buying that i'm not gonna just because you're willing to suffer in my place or if you were me does not Mm. mean i should also be willing to suffer like that's not yeah right that's that's kind of a new idea for a long time america's been like pay your dues you know, put this work in, do what you're told and you'll get what you want. And that's kind of the myth of, you know, building the American dream. And I think that's, this is part of it. This is part of this societal change we're experiencing. I, yeah. I, I think it's endlessly fascinating. All right. Well, that's it for our regular segments and you know what time it is. Are you stupid or something? Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? Are you stupid or something? Stupid is stupid does, sir. It's the stupidest things ever said. What? All right, we're starting with a, a tech support call. Kick things <laughs> off. These, these, these always feel so personal. <laughs> they do. Customer, my phone isn't ringing as many times as it's supposed to. Tech support. Well, sir, hang up and I'll test call you so we can see how many times it rings. Tech support calls. Customer picks up after one ring. It only rang once. It's supposed to ring four times. Sir, that's because you answered after the first ring. I know, but it's still supposed to ring four times. <laughs> what this person wants you want you want it to keep ringing while i talk to people this is literally i don't know how a telephone works i know i was told that it should ring four times and i'm upset about it because i'm stupid (laughs) it's that simple uh all right this is a weather forecaster from wink news w-i-n-k news in florida so florida man says it's going to be areas of drist and mizzle uh drist and what am i saying here and now i really want to know if this was on the prompter like did he type in drist and mizzle (laughs) Or did the producer type in Tristan Mizzle, or was he just having aphasia did, on television? Or, or did uh, or did Snoop Dogg type that into the teleprompter? Well, drizzle is a word. <laughs> Not Mizzle. <laughs> Not well, Tristan Mizzle. Here's an ad from an erect for an sorry an ad for an erectile, erectile dysfunction <laughs> clinic in Columbia, South Carolina. It's a testimonial. Mm. It says, "I'm a 70 year old widow, and I've had ED for over 20 years." <laughs> I think Ethel's playing jokes. <laughs> Logging into the website and playing jokes. <laughs> no ED for me in 20 years. BBC tennis commentator. Federer is human, but for how long? <laughs> He's immortal. He looked great this week, by the way. He played amazing tennis. Yeah. He's my still my favorite tennis player. Okay. There you go. That's all. I don't have any feelings about him whatsoever. Yeah, well, yeah, he's from Switzerland. You're neutral on him. I get it. Exactly. He, he puts out that air, right? <laughs> You're right. It's like a bar of white chocolate. Seems like sure. A, <laughs> seems like a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a good guy. Yeah. One of the best. One of the best tennis players ever. Seems like a nice guy. I, I sure. like him. Bye. What are you, a Djokovic fan? <laughs> no. You know Corona, me. Coronavich. Yeah, you know me. I'm, I'm, I'm all no. the doll all the time. <laughs> Novak. COVID bitch. I was, I'm all, you know, I'm an adult guy. I, I relate to him a lot. I'm, I still have my hair though. <laughs> and, and do you ever? That's right. An on-screen caption from channel four news, WIVB Buffalo, New York in seven minutes, life imitating reality. <laughs> local news, man. I love local. I love me some local news just because every now and again something breaks loose and somebody says something just wild. I knew some folks that worked in local news. They were competent. I also knew some folks in local news that were not very competent. (laughs) It shows every once in a while. And then finally, we have questions asked by tourists at the visitor center in Gettysburg National Military Park. Good Lord. Do they take the monuments in at night or just leave them on the battlefield? Why aren't there any bullet holes in the monuments? <laughs> Man, people are really dumb. 
I guess they're there to learn, maybe. I mean, at least they're, they're, they're visiting historical sites so you can learn things. <laughs> so, so, so it's important to ask questions, Ty. I guess. <laughs> there are no stupid questions. <laughs> Only stupid people that ask questions? <laughs> Only, oh, the stupidest question is the one you don't ask, Ty. Don't you remember this? Don't you, weren't you taught this? That's only a rule for smart people, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to the overtime. Overtime. In the overtime, we're about at the, uh, the, the end of the hour here, but I, I wanted to just share a quick customer service experience I just recently had and, and get your take on it because this is what we like to do here. Mm-hmm. So I recently ordered some golf balls from a company in Germany known as Vice Golf. Okay. Due for my every other year order of golf balls. Got it. They also had gloves, and that's new for them. So I was like, oh, I'll try you know, a couple of gloves, see if they're any good. And so I ordered some golf balls and some gloves. And their shipping is very fast. Box, box shows up in a few days. And I open the box, and the golf balls are in there. The gloves are not. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, hmm. Well, maybe it's just in another box. But I only got one shipping notification. So I wait a couple of days. Nothing shows up. So I reach out to their support line. I was like, hey, I got this shipping notification. Here it is. Uh, I only got the golf balls. Didn't get the gloves. Are they coming separately or did you guys forget to send them to me? And it takes about 24 hours for them to get back to me. No surprise because it's generally, you know, a reasonable amount of time to get back to somebody. And they say, thanks for reaching out. Please take a picture of the package you received. That's it. That's all it says. I'm like, what? Take a picture? A picture. Like, so <laughs> you realize a picture that- of a box with some golf balls in it with no glove in it, with no gloves in it. Yeah, and okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I get that email, like, not long. I'm up on, you know, I'm up on. Uh, we're away from home, and I'm like, okay, I got to do this when I get home. I'll send you this picture, of. Um, boy, this yeah. is boy, this is a fail-safe way to make sure people aren't defrauding you. Can you this take a picture is, of the box? That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. So I say, I'm like attached. Please find the requested photos. I'm not sure about your customer service strategy being prove it when I report that you have incorrectly filled my already paid for order. Because remember, I've already been charged for this. Yeah, these uh-huh. items. Absolutely. Especially because if I was trying to defraud you, these photos don't prove anything. But here they are. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, please advise on our shipping or on new shipping or refund for the missing items ASAP. Yeah. And then so then another 24 hours go by. And this is the response I get. Thank you for the message. I will forward this case over to our warehouse team. I'll get back to you as soon as I have their reply. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you have yet to, at this point, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And it's funny because I feel like this is maybe a very German thing where it's like, look, we are not going to fuck up, right? <laughs> and if we did fuck up, we're going to send you the stuff. So you just don't worry about it and we take it, we're taking care of it. <laughs> Right, but they don't I, ever work, say I work. I work for a German. I work for a German company, so uh, you know I'm gonna refrain from. No, well, just so they don't ever say that though in the emails, right? No. Part of the thing is you have to say, "I'm gonna investigate and find out whether we still need to send these to you, right. or if they're misplaced." Not, I'm sending it to our warehouse team. I'll get back to you whenever they get back to me. Yeah. Right. What? What? The, so you've escalated so now, to it. So now you're three days into this, like this, 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 this misshipment. You're yes. Like three days into this. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I'm like, can you offer an expected time of resolution from the warehouse team? At this point, you've yet to acknowledge that I paid for something I have not received. I was like, can you at least say that I've given you money for goods that I don't have? Can you say that so I can feel okay about we're on the same page here? Um, And I just said, please outline the process for me so I can understand what steps will be taken from now until resolution. Yeah. And between if you, if, if you really here if you really wanted to like get me over a barrel, you would have a picture of the the box before it a picture of the box before you z- taped it shut to prove that the box had balls and gloves in them. I wonder. So it takes in the intervening period. Mm-hmm. So that was yesterday. I get a new shipment notification. Oh, right. So they're sending yeah. me the gloves. So I get the tracking information for the new shipment. Because clearly True. they just packed the box without them, without putting them in there. True. No big deal. Then I get an email from this customer service rep that says, I just received notification from our warehouse team. They've shipped your stuff. Thanks. <laughs> I'm like, man, this was not a good experience. And I just, <laughs> I, I really like this company. I like the golf balls they make. And I will order more in the future. But it is trying my patience to, to have to be like, you just simply need to acknowledge that there's a problem and, it, mm. and tell me what you're going to do. And use more words. Right. I had a very similar situation with a couple of hats that I bought recently 
from a company and but it, mine resolved itself like right on the spot they're like oh we're sorry that we didn't ship both of your hat i said i received this hat and i didn't receive my second hat is it coming in a different box and they said no you should have gotten two hats in that box and i said oh i didn't they goes oh we're sorry we'll send you your second hat that was it. That was the conversation that I had with this. That's this what I would have expected, company. right? Let sure. me look at the order. No, it was supposed to have the gloves in it. No, it didn't have them. Okay, no, we're going to send it back. Because I, I mean, it wasn't a small order, right? This company, I ordered these golf balls, like I said, from Germany. Yeah. They and, could look at your account and see that you're a frequent flyer, too. Well, that's the interesting thing. Their website doesn't allow you to keep a login. You have oh. to check out as a guest every time. Oh. Yeah, it's terrible. It's honestly that's a weird. terrible experience. Yeah, um, that's so good. I just, I, I was just, I could not believe the response to me telling you that you failed was prove it. Right. <laughs> As a conspicuous consumer myself, I want you to know that I'm spending money with your place at a decent level to where if I have a question or if I like need something, you need to get on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like it was the exact opposite experience I had when I bought my, my golf cycle last year. That company could not have been more accommodating with any mile, any tiny problem I reported. They're like, yeah, you know, we have some QA issues still. So here's the parts that we believe that you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, anyway. by the way, can I, wait, by the way, oh, can yeah. I borrow your, can I borrow that scooter? <laughs> you have a cart that pushes itself. Why would you need a scooter? I don't know. I thought, I thought it'd be fun to like drive it around the, uh, drive it around my golf, the golf course I play at. And Did you find out if that's allowed? I think it is allowed. You can trailer in your own cart. Yeah. Oh, you definitely can trailer in your cart. So no tra- there's probably an annual trail fee though. There's definitely a trail. Okay, nobody cares about this. That's our show. Our thanks to all of you for listening to the Two on Three Pod, where we look outward to help you look inward. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. If you didn't, don't. Drop us a review and subscribe if you're new. But until next week, when we return with more pop culture, life strategies, and existentialism, lend me your scooter. Scooter.